The original iMac was defined by the shape of the CRT display at its heart. Fairly early on in the process of designing it, Apple decided to set aside an alternative version that used a laptop-style flat panel display as being expensive and impractical. But four years later, flat screen technology was finally ready for its time in the mainstream, and the giant tube inside the 6 million iMacs Apple had already sold felt outmoded. For two years, the designers behind the original iMac had set about reinventing the iMac for an era where the flat screen was at the forefront. The design they came up with bore no resemblance to the biggest hit the Mac had ever had. And it was one for the ages. It's 20 Macs for 2020. I'm Jason Snell. This is number nine, the iMac G4. It's January 2002, Macworld Expo San Francisco, and Steve Jobs is on stage to unveil the replacement for the computer that made Apple relevant again, the G3 iMac. What about the design? We have been working on this for two years. This is the best thing I think we've ever done. And it has a beauty and a grace that is going to last the next decade. So it is my privilege to now present to you the new iMac. Here's John Syracuse. The G3 iMac was iconic, but by the time the G4 came out, it was spanning a sort of hardware generational divide. CRTs were on their way out, LCDs are on the way in, and CRTs so dominated the design of all Macs up to that point, and especially the original iMac, that design is dead as soon as the CRT leaves it. If you tried to make that same design without the CRT, it would, what do you do, put a fish tank in there? There's just a huge amount of empty space. And Johnny Ive would never do that, because as we know, every form has to be true to itself. And then we had our big idea. Rather than glom these things all together and ruin them all, why don't we let each element be true to itself? If the screen is flat, let it be flat. If the computer wants to be horizontal, let it be horizontal. This statement goes to the core of the Steve Jobs and Jonathan I design philosophy. Try to find the truth about whatever technological component is required for the product, and then allow it to be the perfect representation of what it is, rather than trying to be something it's not. You would never make something shaped like a gumdrop when the screen was actually a flat panel. So that was their big pitch for this computer. And they talked about how they struggled over it. And, you know, Johnny took long walks with Steve and they debated, how can we do this? LCD monitors are so thin and beautiful. If we stick the computer to the back of the monitor, now you just made it thick again. So we don't get to appreciate how thin it is. But we do need the parts of the computer. So what do you do with that? And their innovation, as expressed in the keynote, was let's let the screen be as thin as it possibly can so we can appreciate, yes, LCD screens are thin. And let's let the guts of the computer be true to themselves, which is they are the stuff that makes the computer, the guts. They can be horizontal and fastened to the ground. And then let's just connect them with this amazing arm. This above all, to thine own self be true, as the classic line from Hamlet goes, or to put it a slightly different way. You are my friend. You're special to me. There's only one in this wonderful world. You are special. Among the teachings of Fred Rogers was his belief that we are all at our best when we are being authentic. But it's you I like, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you. It's you, I, like. 
Now the flat panel on the G4 iMac is living its best life. It is as thin and light as possible, suspended by one of Apple's great engineering tricks, its articulated chrome arm. And so you got this two-piece computer where there's the computer part, which is earthbound, and you've got the screen, which floats, and it has a little clear border around it, connected by what I think is one of the most amazing pieces of hardware ever to ship on a personal computer, that stainless steel arm. It made this computer, which was not Apple's most expensive model, look and feel so much more expensive than it was. I remember being amazed that for whatever it was at the time, 1400 bucks or whatever, you could buy this computer that had this arm on it. It looked like part of a Swiss watch or something. It was just beautiful and it felt good and it felt expensive and it did its job. And I feel like that is the star of this entire design. Yes, the screen does float and you reposition it and that's great. But that arm is amazing. I don't think we've seen its equal. Even I'm sitting in front of it right now. God help me. The $1,000 stand for the Pro Display XDR is not nearly as impressive as that arm. And that arm came free with the computer. Here's Stephen Hackett. If you look at how the the neck is built with the gearing and the cabling and everything, it's a serious piece of engineering. And all of that work went into, okay, I can just move this LCD with one finger. It is as effortless as it gets in moving something around. And we came up with a radically new design. It is a technical tour de force. It's got superior ergonomics to anything we've ever built. I can move the screen with just a touch anywhere I want. And the screen literally floats in midair. It's unbelievable. The ergonomic advantage of that, I'm so sad that they never went back to that. So that screen didn't just go up and down like a little bit, like my stupid thousand dollar monitor stand. It went up and down a lot. Like you could practically put that monitor so its chin was touching your desk and you could raise it all the way up and it could rotate side to side. Here's Shelly Brisbane. One of the things I liked about it the most was that you could move the monitor on the arm. You could pivot it. You could move it down. You could move it up. And I'm somebody who finds that just immensely useful. It was extremely flexible. And people I knew who had this computer weren't shy about grabbing the big frame around that monitor and just moving it and say, pointing it at a person and putting it down and putting it up. Because it felt so good to move it, it felt like this is part of the product. You never thought twice about it. It was part of using the computer that you understood you could move the monitor. Pretty much every Apple monitor since then, it's like, well, you get it set up, and if it's adjustable at all, you set it up how it's supposed to be, and you leave it there. It's not the type of thing where you just expect it to grab it and move it and show somebody sitting next to you something and move it back and move it around. The beauty of this arm made that a feature of this product, and I think it was a feature that was used and liked and missed when it was gone. Here's James Thompson, the developer of the calculator app PCalc. I've always had a special place in my heart for this particular Mac because I made 10 cents on every single one that was sold in the US. For the first year anyway. PCalc got bundled as the default calculator on the iMac G4. And I generally think that that wide installed base contributed to PCalc's current success because everybody just had it who got one of those computers. And so there was a certain amount of recognition. That was a good deal because they sold quite a lot of them. I think it's the last truly great computer design that Apple has done. I was trying to think of something that beat it, and I couldn't. Yes, there are designs like the Mac Pro, which are interesting in their own ways, but they're not really made for, I don't want to say real people, but the iMac G4 was. It was this consumer machine, but it had this really interesting, well-thought-out design. 
It's hard to miss the iMac G4 similarity to Pixar's mascot, the Lamp Luxo Jr. Here's former PC World Editor-in-Chief Harry McCracken. It's probably the most anthropomorphic computer design of all time. And I, I wondered whether it was influenced by Luxo Jr., especially given the Steve Jobs connection with, with Pixar. And I'm still not sure whether that was intentional or just, just sort of felt that way, that this was a, a computer with a personality. Here's John Gruber. We had one, loved it, absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. I was like, man, this is just a really great computer. Sometimes you're you're out in the world and you see something and you know that it's going to leave an impression on you for a really long time. Maybe it's a beautiful piece of art. In my case, in high school, it was the iMac G4. And I remember being totally mesmerized that I could put the screen where I wanted it. It was just so unlike any computer I'd ever seen. It has such personality that I don't know if any other computer Apple has ever made has the level of personality that this thing does. People compare it to the Pixar lamp and things like that. But I was watching the original advert for it, which has the guy in the window looking at one and it was sort of emoting back to him, copying his movements. And then when he sticks his tongue out at it, the CD tray comes out and it has this personality to it. It has this fun thing, but it's also you could reposition it. You could move it around. I I just love the way it looks. So, you know, it's not just because I made a bunch of money on it. I feel like I liked it more than a lot of people did. I saw the iMac G4 at Macworld. I don't think that I had gone to the keynote that year for some reason, because the first time I encountered it was walking into the Apple booth, and they had it on a pedestal in a glass enclosure, and it was beautifully lit, as you can imagine. And I just remember being stopped by it. Just visually, I thought it was stunning, and I still think it is. It looks like a desk lamp. People have said that, and I guess they mean it negatively, I just thought it was a beautiful machine. Now, when I asked longtime Mac developer Paul Kafasis about the iMac G4, he threw a question right back at me. Can you think of another computer that looks more fun than this one? My answer to Paul was that it certainly felt whimsical. Whimsical? Oh, that's a great word for it. Yeah, whimsical. So is there is there a more whimsical Mac than this? And I, I don't think there is. Nothing comes to mind for me. It's got to be one of the most amusing computers Apple ever made. It just looks fun. It didn't look like a, a normal computer. It didn't look like really any computer you can think of. It just was so strange to me to see this and think, okay, yeah, that's that's a real computer in there. This is the computer that Andy Warhol would have had, or I don't know, Salvador Dali would have had this computer. Now let's back up and consider what Apple could have done instead of creating the iMac G4. There was another obvious path. In fact, it's one so obvious that Steve Jobs brought it up himself before batting it down. The move to flat screens we recognized early on is going to be the biggest single change in desktop computers in the next decade. And we realized that we had the opportunity of the decade to reshape desktop computers. Now, normally, what we might have done, and I think what everybody else will do, we could have taken our iMac and taken a hacksaw to it, chopped off the back. So we're going to put a flat display on the front. Who needs the back? There are some fatal flaws in this approach. With the flat screen in the front, You notice it's not very flat anymore, is it? Because we glommed the back on with all the rest of the stuff. But the other problems go deeper. We have to put the logic board parallel to the display in back of it, which means the connectors come out on the side, making the worst kind of cable mess right in front of your eyes. So this approach is far less than great, and we rejected it. 
one thing that makes me a little sad about the iMac G4 is during the presentation, Jobs like, you know, this is a design that's going to last the next decade or something. You know, one of those over-the-top statements. And if you look at it on a calendar, the iMac G4 really wasn't around that long. And as beautiful as it is, as much as I'm sure all of us <laughs> love it so much, it was a compromise in a sense because at the time, hard drives, and particularly optical drives, couldn't run on their sides very fast. It was a great way to get around the engineering problem they had, but that got solved, I think, much quicker than Apple thought. And then, of course, the iMac G5 is the recipe that the iMac still follows today with everything just behind the screen. And yet this design didn't last for long. And the iMac that as we know it today has lasted for a very long time. I guess it's probably the longest standing iMac design is the current one. And what is it? It's a screen with a computer glommed on behind it. But in defense of it, it's hard to imagine a 27-inch display floating no matter how little else you put behind it. it. It just seems like the screen itself, when it gets to a certain size, like something about a 17-inch display is floatable when a 27-inch isn't. I miss this kind of playfulness in Apple designs. The white iMac that followed it, like the Intel iMac, it was a nice design, but it was boring. It was just like a white screen, flat. And even that the aluminium ones that followed, they're more about it's a screen and the rest of the design sort of gets out of the way of you. So you're just looking at this piece of glass with as minimal a border on the outside that they can do. That particular design probably would not have worked over the long haul just because screens got a lot bigger and you probably couldn't prop them up on an arm. But the functionality, I think, was a pretty compelling idea. And it is really interesting that after Apple tried that design once and dumped it, they went to a design for the iMac, which is really remarkably similar to what an iMac is today. So they, they sort of found the right form factor for an iMac after they tried that one and have stuck with that ever since. Sometimes I wonder if we might one day see the return of a Mac that's reminiscent of the iMac G4 design. Today's enormous displays would suggest that it's not in the cards, but there's one thing that might force a different approach from Apple, and it's the same thing that Jobs raved about when he introduced the iMac G4. Ergonomics. I think it'll be interesting to see where the iMac goes next, because my hope, and I, this is a hope based on absolutely nothing, that when the Apple Silicon iMac finally appears, it's going to be something that harkens more back to the iMac G4 in terms of a design that does something different. And that would be a, a nice callback 20-odd years later to the iMac G4 and something that can maybe take its crown in my heart as a nice design, even if I don't make 10 cents on every one that they sell. Look at Microsoft Surface Studio. It's essentially a 28-inch Mac that runs Windows, but with a critical difference. Its screen supports touch and pen input, and because of that, it can be pulled down out of a traditional upright configuration and into a lower, flatter orientation that's much more conducive to putting your fingers or pen on the display itself. To do that, Microsoft has built the Surface Studio in two pieces, with a heavier base resembling a Mac Mini containing the computer itself, with the screen above suspended by a pair of arms attached to what it calls the zero-gravity hinge. It's not as elegant as the iMac G4, to be sure, but it is a closer cousin than today's iMacs. 
those things are single axis and they kind of have to be because once you're leaning on or drawing on the screen, you can't have it be super loosey-goosey. Obviously, you're just pointing it and all it needed to do was hold its position. It did not need support of the weight of your hand or your palm leaning on it. So something that's going to go down into a drafting table needs something sturdier. And I can imagine removing one axis of motion and say, okay, it can go up and down, but you can't like tilt it or rotate it without rotating the whole computer. That's a challenge. If Apple ever takes on that challenge, it'll be interesting to see how they address it. Surface Studio takes a fairly conservative and straightforward approach that seems to work fine. I wonder if Apple will be happy with that or they will try to do something more. Now, I'd love an iMac in the vein of the Surface Studio, which is to say an iMac that harkens back a bit more to the original flat panel iMac. In the meantime, though, I've got my iMac Pro suspended over my desk on a monitor arm attached to a VESA mount. Inelegant? Yes. But there are very few computers who could compete with the iMac G4 when it comes to elegance. Twenty Max for 2020 was written by me, Jason Snell. Thank you to Shelley Brisbane, John Gruber, Stephen Hackett, Harry McCracken, John Syracuse, Paul Kafasis, and James Thompson. And special thanks to Mr. Rogers. Brian Hamilton provided post-production help. I'll be back next week with number eight.